Mother's Day Lake Hills Church. Those of you guys who don't know me, I am Julie Richard, and I am thrilled to get to share with you today as we celebrate moms, um, moms who are in the house, as well as those who are watching online and those who will join us by video or listen later. We are so glad to celebrate you guys today. And I wanna give a special shout out um, to single moms. You know, my husband was raised by a single mom, a mom who worked hard to keep life as consistent as possible when their life was turned upside down. And I just know that I don't know what that takes. And so I wanna give a special shout out and a special round, not just for her, but for all the single moms. We also recognize that while we celebrate moms, and we are gonna celebrate, with, whether it's the giveaway or the special treat on the way out and all the photo ops, um, we know it's a celebration, but for many today is difficult, and we recognize that as well. So if you are feeling a lot of mixed emotions today, maybe you have lost a child or lost your mother, or you um, have a strained relationship with a child or with your mom, or maybe you've longed to be a mom for a long time and are not yet. We see you, we love you, we want you to know that there is no pit too deep, no pain too great that is beyond the reach of God's love. And we see you and love you and he sees you and loves you as well. Um, we are gonna celebrate, today is all about the moms, but today's message is not just for moms, so I think we better pray and get started because I get really excited sometimes and I speak a little fast. And so let's help me uh, pray for focus right now. Let's bow our heads. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the gift of church. I thank you for the gift of motherhood. I thank you, God, for the gift of gathering together to cheer each other on, to challenge each other, to be who we're created to be. I ask right now, God, that you hover over every family represented, every mom represented here, and you assure her that you are all she needs, but you will give her more. And God, I ask that you do something only you can do right now, that you settle our hearts and minds and open our eyes and ears so we can see and hear what you want us to learn today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, those who know me well know that I can, on occasion, be a little bit stubborn. Thank you. No amen from Mac right there. I'm a little bit stubborn, and when I set my mind to do things, um, whether it ends up being a good idea or a bad idea, I'm going to do it. I am a very determined, focused, um, I can be. And so uh, early in our marriage, uh, Mac and I have been married over 30 years now. It was very early, maybe even the first year of our marriage, back when televisions were as deep as they are wide. That's right, everybody who, you know, we've all dated ourselves. But um, we had, we lived in a small apartment. And by small apartment, I mean basically we had a king-size bed and we had wall-to-wall -wall bedding. And so we had very little room for any furniture in our apartment, but we did have a piece of furniture at the foot of our bed and our TV rested on top of it. And one day before work, I looked at Mac and I said, you know, that one piece of furniture in our bedroom, I, I want to move it a little bit. And he looked at me, he said, absolutely. Um, please wait until I get home and we can do it together. I go, oh, absolutely. And so we both go to work. Well, uh, he was working at the church and I was um, a teacher, so I got home early. And 
And so I walked into the bedroom and I looked at it and I you know, was thinking about it and I thought, I really wanna move that piece of furniture. And the longer I stared at it, I felt like I needed to move that piece of furniture. Like I needed to do it and I needed to do it now. And I, I assessed the situation and I determined that I was definitely strong enough to move that piece of furniture. And so I leaned into it a little bit and I thought, I'm just gonna do it like an inch at a time. This is totally manageable for one person. And so I leaned into it and it moved. And I'm like, I'm amazing. And so I uh, leaned into it again. And with every inch that it moved, I got a little more confident. And I must say, a little more careless. And so I thought, oh my gosh, it's almost where I want it. So I really leaned in and I gave it a shove. And at that moment, the television came tumbling down right on top of where I was standing. But good news, everybody. My cat-like reflexes kicked in. And I jumped back and all it did was graze my head and shoulder and fall to the ground. You know what was harder than waiting for Mac to get home? It was explaining to Mac why the TV was crashed on the floor in our bedroom. So this is what I did. I said, Mac, I almost died today. I came so close to death. That TV almost killed me. He's like, the TV, what do you mean? I go, oh my gosh, Mac, I mean, it's broken. We need a new one. But I am still alive. I am still alive. Your new bride. Let's focus on that, can we? You see... It was difficult to tell Mac because it was my stubbornness and my impatience and my unwillingness to get the help that I needed to do the job at hand. And what I learned then and what I have learned many times over in the last 30 years is that DIY projects, DIY, do not always mean D-I-B-Y. Do it yourself does not necessarily mean do it by yourself. Learn from me, people. Get help when it looks like you need help. D-I-B-Y, do it by yourself. You know, life is not a D-I-B-Y project. We are not created to do life on our own. We're not created to carry the weight and the burdens alone, nor are we created to celebrate the wins and the blessings on our own. We are wired for community. And God's incredible genius and his creative wisdom, he has designed us to live in community, to live in connection with him and connection with others. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good. And in his goodness, we see so many times in scripture when he calls someone out to do something for him, he calls them out individually and personally, but then he gives them community, encouragement, support through someone else. Whether it is David that he calls out and he gave him Jonathan, Joshua and Caleb, Ruth and Naomi, my very favorite, the story of the birth of Jesus when he calls out Mary and he calls her personally, individually, but then gives her Elizabeth, older, wiser, also experiencing a miraculous birth. And he didn't have to give her Elizabeth, but in his goodness, he calls people out and then gives them support and encouragement through others. In this series, Identity, we are looking at the life of Moses. 
And if you've never read the book of Exodus, it is definitely worth reading. We're going to jump in today in chapter 3. But to give you a little backstory, if you ever doubt God's ability to do the impossible, if you're ever in a situation where you see no way out, read Exodus. Moses was born an Israelite, and he was born to an Israelite family while they were in captivity in Egypt. They were in Egyptian captivity, and the truth of the matter is Moses never should have lived, you see. The Pharaoh of Egypt, at that time, he said, the Israelite people are are growing too fast. They're going to take over, and so he commanded the um, Israelite midwives, if there is an Israelite boy born, he must be thrown in the river. Somehow, though, Moses survived. Through his mother's courage, his sister's quick thinking, and the only woman who could have saved this Hebrew baby was Pharaoh's daughter who decided, oh, there's a baby in a basket floating in the river and I want to keep him. And Pharaoh allowed her to. It's amazing, isn't it? But it's a beautiful illustration of God's sovereignty, God's power, God's provision, and God, yet again, showing us that he is all about doing the impossible. So if we follow the story a little bit longer, we see that Moses grew up in the palace, and then he murdered an Egyptian, fled. This is a quick, you know, like synopsis. It would be cliff notes, you know, for those of you who use those. Not me, Mom. I never use those. Um, And then he fled and um, married Zipporah and went to work for his father-in-law, Jethro. And that's where we're going to jump in today. I'm going to read a couple of verses from Exodus 3. And then I'm going to put up on the screen Exodus 3, verses 3 and 4. And, you know, I used to be a teacher, a first-grade teacher, and I love 100% participation. I love it so much that I'll wait for it. And we will do it until we get 100% participation, okay? So there are going to be some highlighted words at the end. It's very clear, and I believe that they are all at your reading level. So this is how chapter 3 starts. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not being consumed. Watch for your part. So Moses said, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burning up. When the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, And he said, Moses said, 99%. One more time. Here we go. And Moses said, here I am. am." The Lord said, Moses, Moses. He called Moses by name. He called Moses personally. He called him individually. And notice that Moses did not say, here we are. He was by himself. Many times when God wants to speak to someone, it's in solitude. It's when you're by yourself. When I read this, I can't help but imagine, 
you know, and maybe it's years of teaching preschool. They're so literal. So when I read it, I picture myself in the story. I picture myself. Would I turn like Moses? Moses was going about his business. He was with his sheep and he saw a marvelous sight. And he stopped and he said, I must turn aside to see this marvelous sight. And it wasn't until he turned aside that God called his name. And I think, I can imagine a scenario. Actually, it's not difficult for me to imagine a scenario in which I'm too caught up in my to-do list. I have emails to return. I have groceries to shop. Who are we getting? I definitely get them delivered to my door. I have groceries to unload in the kitchen. I have you know, errands to run, tasks to complete. It's not difficult for me to imagine a scenario in which I never see the marvelous side. It's also not difficult for me to imagine a scenario, and it's probably not difficult for you either, to imagine a scenario in which you see the marvelous sight, but you're too busy to turn aside. And I think it's interesting that the Bible includes that it wasn't until Moses turned aside that God called his name. May we never be too busy, too distracted, too caught up in our tasks, that we don't first see the marvelous sight and that we don't take a moment to turn aside to the marvelous sight. Actually, research shows that if we can train our brains, if we can actually remember to just savor the small things, then we improve our mood and our mental health. Don't get too busy that you miss the small things. Stop and savor the small things. You know. God called Moses individually and personally, and I love that, and I love that we see that when he calls him, you know, he has a plan for Moses, but I wanted you to know that he also has a plan for you that's individual, that's personal, and he is calling your name, but you have to turn aside and respond. You know, sometimes God speaks loudly and clearly. Wouldn't it be amazing if when God wanted you to do something, he spoke from a burning bush, you know, you're out to get the mail and all of a sudden the bush is on fire but not being consumed and you turn and say, what God? Wouldn't that be amazing to help us make our decisions? Sometimes he speaks loudly, clearly, where it's unmistakable and undeniable. You know, if you were here on Easter, you heard Matt tell the story um, of when he was helping, and I'm gonna put it in air quotes, nothing personal, honey, um, but he was helping me clean up all the Christmas stuff. And he got our live garland that had been out for over two months. Yes, I decorate as early as possible. No such thing as too much or too soon when it comes to Christmas decorating. And so he takes the live garland that was dried and old, and he thinks, you know, this is, I, I can get rid of this quickly. He throws it into the fireplace, and it uncoils, and he almost burned the house down. Um, and so it made me think of another time, and I feel like you're gonna see a pattern in Matt's life. So here is a video July 4th, 2017. Take a look. This is, this is fireworks in Texas. With the Richards. Yeah, but back Whoa. Fireworks. Oh, that's a good one. In thing. their backyard. <laughs> Happy 4th of July. Wow. Goodness.
Yeah. Anybody see a pattern in Mac's life? Uh-huh. This actually happened. Mac is dying to defend himself right now. He wants you to know that Mac, it was a design flaw. That was a design flaw in the fireworks. He followed directions. I also want to add that that was the first one. And you know, Mac, man, he's thinking the next one's going to work. And we had another one, but I don't have video of it. Sometimes when God speaks, when God gives direction, when God calls you out, it's unmistakable. It's undeniable. It's loud and clear like fireworks. Sometimes it is. You know, when Mac and I were dating and we were trying to determine, you know, should we get married? We were praying about it. We were um, staying tethered to the church where we were getting godly counsel. We were spending time in scripture, separate, listening for God. And God made it clear, yes, this is your next step. It was loud and clear. It was fireworks, people. It was fireworks. And so, yes, we took the next step. And it wasn't like God spoke loudly and clearly, here's your next 30 years. We took one step at a time. And sometimes that's how God speaks, and it's amazing. That's how God directs you. It's loud and clear. It's unmistakable. It's undeniable. And you know what I think sometimes? I think sometimes we go to God and we say, God, show me my next step. Show me if this is right. And he says back to us, oh, I've already told you. I am speaking loudly and clearly. I am speaking through my word. I am speaking through scripture because this is us. We want to pray about it. When we know in the back of our minds, this is clearly outside scripture. This is outside God's design. And we pray so hard. I'm praying for clarity. And God's like, oh, I gave you clarity. He will never call you to do something. He will never direct you to do something that is outside God's word. Every calling, every direction, every next step is under his authority and under his word. And so we obey him and we just take the next right step. Oh, it's amazing when he speaks loudly and clearly like fireworks, but he doesn't always. Sometimes it's like fireworks or a burning bush. And other times it's more like that subtle glow, you know, like You're getting in bed and you turn out all the lights and you turn the air conditioner down and you put your noise machine on, you know, the sound machine, and you're going to bed. And all of a sudden, you realize there's a light on somewhere in this house. I can see it. I can see it. And your husband has to get up and go figure out what it is. (laughs) Sometimes it's a subtle glow. Amazing when it's like fireworks and it's loud and clear. But oftentimes it is a subtle glow. And so that's when we have to lean in because God's not always yelling. He's not always talking to you loud and clear from a burning bush. Often, he's whispering, and he's directing, and he's guiding you, and he says, lean in, get to know me, pray, listen, get to know my word, pray, listen, follow my word, pray, listen, ask those around you who understand scripture and your values, get guidance from them, and then take the next right step. But God is speaking clearly. God is speaking to you. He's calling you out to something personal, to something individual. When we um, continue to read, we see that Moses, uh, God says, you know, I'm here. I've been hearing the cries of my people, and I'm ready to ask you. Actually, I'm going to tell you what to do to save my people. He's calling out Moses. He's speaking from a burning bush. And when he heard his name, 
Moses said, here I am. But then he followed immediately when God said, hey, I'm calling you to save my people. In verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? Say that with me. Who am I? First he said, here I am. And now God calls him out. And he says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Here I am, God. But who am I? Who am I? Moses is literally looking at God's power on display. He is talking to a bush that is burning and not being consumed. God's power is being displayed right in front of him. And instead of seeing it and relying on that and trusting that power, he says, who am I? And man, I would love to say that, oh, shame on Moses, but I do it all too often. And so do you. So do you. So often, something that comes up in our lives, something that God's calling us to do, or a task that we have to attack, or a job that we have to do, a responsibility that we have to fulfill, we say, who am I? I can, instead of looking at God's power and what's he's gonna, what he's gonna do through us, we say, I, this is beyond me. This is literally the definition of stress. <clears throat> when we believe, when we think, we feel that what is being asked of us It's beyond our capacity, beyond our resources. That's literally the definition. And we all feel it. We have all gotten to a place where we say, this job is beyond me. This responsibility is beyond me. This life is beyond me. I'm doing the best I can. And I'm barely keeping my head above water. This is natural. This is normal. And everyone does it. Everyone, you think, I don't have the information. I don't have the right skill set. I don't have the right temperament. I can't do it. It is beyond me. And I'm here to share with you today. Life is beyond your capacity and your resources. Let's pray. Wasn't that encouraging? Life is. Life is more than you can handle. It is. It's beyond you. But it's not beyond God. It is not beyond his capacity, his endless capacity, his endless resources, but it is more than you can handle on your own, but you aren't meant to do it alone, and neither was Moses. Verse 12, and this is a capital H when we read it, and it says, and he said, God was talking, and he said back to Moses, assuredly, read these words with me, I will be with you, assuredly. Assuredly, we don't have to doubt. We don't have to wonder. He said, Moses, you're right. It's beyond you, but it's not beyond me. I will be with you. You were created. You are wired for connection, connection with me. When I call you to do something, God tells us all. When I call you to it, I will equip you for it. I will be with you. I will be with you. When I remember that, it's not as if the task becomes easy. It's not as if I have no worry, no fear, but I'm able then to overcome my fear, to face my fear, recognize, you're right, it is beyond my capacity and my resources, but God is with me. I'm playing two on two and LeBron is my teammate, you see. And I'm in it with God, the creator of the universe, and that is my courage. Matthew 19, 26 says this. The words of Jesus. And looking at them, Jesus said to them, with people, this is impossible. But, read it with me, with God, all things are possible. 
Oh, B plus. Let's try it again. With God, all things are possible. With God, this is an incredible memory verse, an incredible memory verse to hide in your heart for when you feel, when you think, when you believe what is being asked of me is beyond my capacity or resources. You know, we could stop right here today because that's enough. That's enough. Knowing that when God calls you to it, that he'll equip you for it. Knowing that he has created you and crafted you and called you out on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. That is enough. God is enough and he is all you need. But God is good. And in his goodness, he gives us more. In his goodness, he says, yes, I've created you for connection and relationship with me. But I don't stop there. I will give you more community friendship, encouragement from those around you. He called Mary and he gave her Elizabeth. He called out Paul and he gave him Silas and Timothy. He called out David and he gave him Jonathan. Look at the scripture, Ruth and Naomi, Joshua and Caleb. We aren't wired to do life alone in God's goodness. He says, I am enough, but I'll give you more. We are wired for community in his infinite wisdom. He's creative genius. He created us for community. You know, I am not a scientist. I am not a therapist um, or a specialist. I am an enthusiast. And I love to read science. And so in my fearless mom um, terminology, I'm going to explain to you a little bit of the recent science on community and connection um, about our stress response, how we are wired physiologically to respond to stress. Most of us know about the fight or flight reflex. Then when we are faced with trauma or pressure or stress, we either fight, lean in, or flight. But recent studies show that there's also a tend and befriend response, a tend and befriend physiological stress response. And it is amazing. I'm going to read the definition. The tend and befriend stress response says, this is our predisposition to respond to a threat by nurturing and protecting offspring and by seeking social support. This is physiological. It's about the oxytocin. And I'm not a specialist, so I hope I'm saying that word right. It's oxytocin. Nobody's going to deny it. It's Mother's Day. And we have all heard about the mama bear reflex. That is in us to protect our young, to do whatever it takes, to disregard a threat or fear. I'm going to read you some headlines. Mother fights off mountain lion with bare hands to save five-year-old son. Woman's incredible mom reflexes save child from falling over a ledge. New Jersey mom jumps into manhole. These are all real headlines to save sinking toddler. Here's my personal favorite. Mother saves child during pit bull attack by biting off its ear. I assume it is the pit bull's ear. And I pray my children are never attacked by a pit bull. But I believe that that is how we are wired. That is how we are wired. And it's not just moms. It's not just women who are wired that way. We are wired with, to respond to stress with the tend and befriend response. We are wired to reach out to others to give help and to reach out to others to give help, to get it and to give it. Isn't that amazing? That is a physiological scientific fact. I'm gonna read from a specialist, Kelly McGonigal, PhD, health psychologist and lecturer at Stanford. She also um, wrote the book, The Upside of Stress. This is what she says. 
When oxytocin, and that is the stress response hormone, it's linked to many other things too, but it is proven scientifically that it is part of our stress response. When oxytocin is released as part of the stress response, it's encouraging you to connect with your social support network. It also strengthens your most important relationships by making you more responsive to others. Unlike the fight or flight response, which is primarily about self-survival, the tend and befriend response motivates you to protect the people and communities you care about. Isn't that amazing? Psalm 139, 14 says, thank you, God, for making me wonderfully complex. We are complex, and God wired us that way. We are wired to connect with him, to connect with those around us, to reach out to God for help to reach to God and lean on him for help, to reach out to others, to get help and to give help. What's more, if you respond to the tend and befriend response by reaching out and helping others, if you respond to that tend and befriend nudge, that reflex, that instinct, your body creates more oxytocin, making you care more, increasing your um, connection to those that you love, those that you care about it. There are so many practical ways. I'm just gonna hit a few. I can't help it. I'm a very practical person. I'm like, okay, give me the exact thing you want me to do right now. Well, here's the thing. We understand that God wired us that way. And like Moses, we say, here I am, but who am I? And then we remember God is with you all the time, just like he was with um, Moses. But then there are practical ways that we can give help and that we can get help. Practical things we can ask those around us if they need and what we need from them. One is physical touch. Physical touch. Just give someone a hug. Touch them when you're talking to them. It increases the flow of oxytocin. Hug them. Touch them on their arm when talking to them. Words of encouragement. If someone is feeling down, if you know a mom who's feeling like, I don't know what I'm doing, and P.S., every mom feels like, I don't know what I'm doing. We say all the time in Fearless Mom that um, when you consider the responsibility of motherhood, the appropriate response is to throw up in your mouth a little bit. Uh-huh. And so reach out to her. Give her words of encouragement. If you have a friend who has struggled with a loss or is going through a hard time, encourage them. This is what you say. I love you and I'm here for you. And then shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. I love you. I'm here for you. I'll be here with you. Shut your mouth. Smiling and laughing, if appropriate, invite them to a funny movie. It's, an, it's a great, easy way to increase your own oxytocin, serotonin, and dopamine, all those happy hormones, is to watch a funny movie, to watch a funny TV show. Exercise, if you have a friend who's struggling, if you're struggling, get out and walk around. Someone says, how can I help you? Say, I'd love to go for a walk. And we get out. If you have a friend who's struggling, invite them to go on a walk. Outside is even more ideal. There's a lot more science behind that as well. Giving. I know it's counterintuitive. You're like, I'm at the end of my rope. I have nothing left to give. But science says that if you will reach out and give and serve and help others, that it will actually improve your mood, improve your perspective on whatever you're facing. And then lastly, practicing mindfulness and prayer. Mindfulness and prayer. You see, Moses was walking and doing his job, but he must have been mindful enough in what was going on around him because he saw and turned aside to the marvelous sight. God, help us see the marvelous sights around us. Help us savor the small things and give us the wherewithal to turn and savor the small things when we see them. 
Moses was overwhelmed. He recognized what is being asked of me is beyond my capacity and my resources. But he remembered quickly that, yes, it's beyond him, but God is with him. And you know what God did? He didn't just say, I'm with you, because Moses was like, I'm not a great speaker. At that moment, God could have made him a great speaker. He could have snapped his fingers and said, now you're eloquent. Now you're confident. You can do it. But he didn't. He said, I'm with you, and I'll give you Aaron. I will give you encouragement and support and people around you. And maybe that's how you feel today. You think, you know what? What is being asked of me is beyond my capacity, beyond my resources. And you're not alone. Most of us feel that way. But God says, I'm not asking you to do it on your own. I'm gonna give you people and support around you. But I want you to live in relationship with, and I want you to rely on me, my power, my endless capacity, my endless resources. So that's where it all starts. If God is calling you, if you're saying, God, what is next for me? What is my next step? One step at a time. You pray, you obey his word, and you say, God, I need you. So it's about having a relationship with him. And if you've never stepped into a relationship with God by accepting the forgiveness that Jesus offers, this is how you do it. You're just like Moses. You say, here I am, God. Here I am, and I need you. Who am I? Because I know my sin has ruptured the relationship with you, and I need you. I know you're with me. And I know you offer forgiveness through Jesus and I'm calling out to you to be Lord of my life. Here I am, who am I? And I know you're with me. If you've never prayed that prayer, we're gonna give you the opportunity to right now. And maybe you've already stepped into a relationship and you're saying, you know what, that's amazing. And I am feeling that what is being asked of me is beyond my capacity and beyond my resources. And I encourage you, Remind yourself of the power and the endless capacity and endless resources of the one who created you and crafted you and called you out. Because he is with you, he is for you. And then lift your head up, ask people for help and give people help. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you so much for your word that assures us that you are with us, that assures us that you've called us out to serve you wherever we are, and that what is being asked of us is definitely beyond our capacity and resources, but it is not beyond yours. God, there are people in this room who wanna walk with you, but they've not yet stepped into a relationship with you through Jesus. If that's you in this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, you simply can say to yourself, reach out to God, here I am. Here I am. I know I need you. Who am I? Because of my sin, it has separated me from you. But I receive your forgiveness. And I need you to be with me. I trust you. And I want you to be Lord of my life. I give my life to you. If you just stepped into a relationship with God through that prayer, then I'm gonna ask you to do a couple of things. Keep your, everybody in the room, all the heads bowed and all the eyes closed, but we'd love to know that. We'd love to help you with your next steps and to help you learn to discern God's voice and grow closer to Him and rely on Him. 
So let us know by responding to, with the QR code on the seat back, or you can talk to a human. Talk to a person out at the hub in the lobby. And then with every head still bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. It's just a physical representation of the spiritual decision you just made to ask God to be Lord of your life, to be with you always. And we have a tradition around here. As you put your hands down, we put our hands together and we say, welcome home.